Hello and welcome to Pause Pop, positively pop culture, where we talk about things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm KW Taylor. And I'm Carrie Gessner. And this week it's all about new TV seasons and series. We're talking about the new season of Motherland Fort Salem, the third season of Netflix's reality competition show The Circle, and the new singing competition show Alter Ego. Mm-hmm. Some very different topics in there, but I'm excited for all of them. Yes. So you've been watching the new season of Motherland. I know this is one of your favorites. So One of my favorites, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I did talk about this last year, and it came back for season two this summer, slightly delayed because of COVID, but I think they ended up doing a really good job. So there are currently two seasons of 10 episodes each. They are all on Hulu, if you want to give it a shot. And I was very excited when when the show came back <laughs> because it aired during the summer. I was I was working days and I was able to watch it live, so I was very excited. I would like text a friend, and be like, "Oh my god, this is happening! This is happening!" <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna say something slightly controversial, but I actually do think that this is one of the best shows on television right now. So, listeners. Do without what you will. <laughs> if it makes you want to start it, awesome. But yeah, so last year I talked about it after six episodes had aired instead of the whole thing, which was ended up being a mistake because it got really intense in the last, in the second half of the season. And it got really, really, I mean, not that it wasn't good, but it got a lot more serious. And I think a lot of the character moments paid off, which was really fun. And there was this big cliffhanger. And I I am going to spoil season one a little bit just to talk about season two. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I, if you don't want to hear, turn this off, go watch it, and then come back. <laughs> <laughs> just a quick rundown of season one, which is that this show takes place in an alternate present where witches are real and witches sign an agreement to stop their persecution during the Salem witch trials by basically becoming the army. So there is conscription of every witch who is 18 years or older and they fight all the wars. So it's an alternate history. So the first season follows Rael Collar, Tally Craven, and Abigail Bellwether, who are a unit, they're going through basic training. And the whole conceit of season one is they're fighting this terrorist organization called the Spree. And someone just pointed out on Twitter that they're called the Spree because it's like a killing spree. And I didn't understand that. I just kept thinking about the candy (laughs) spree. (laughs) But that makes a lot more sense. But then at the end of the season, There are a lot of hints throughout the season that what they call their ancient enemy, the Camarilla, has returned. So they're basically witch hunters. So that's sort of the end of season one. And season two becomes a lot about switching their tactics to fight the Camarilla. And it gets really, really intense. They sort of just drop you into all the action and all of the emotional moments. And I think what I really love about the show, there are a lot of things, but I love that it's female centered. All of the main characters, I think, 
are women. There are some men that I will talk about in a bit. But Rael is played by Taylor Hickson. Abigail is played by Ashley Nicole Williams. And Tally is played by Jessica Sutton. And they're all wonderful. They are the heart of the show. And what I really love is that you don't get to see like really deep friendships among women that often. So I just, that's one of the reasons I love it because I just think it's so well portrayed and they're very different people. They're very different characters, but they love each other so deeply and they started out in a very tense place and you can really see their growth throughout seasons one and season two. They go on slightly different paths in season two and they each have their own journey, emotional journey. And I just, I, uh, they're, they're all so good. <laughs> so Abigail goes on a journey of revenge basically because the Camarilla are specifically going after her family because she has a very powerful family. So she struggles a lot with like, well, fear because they're directly targeting her, but also like she's in war college and she has to like go to class and <laughs> learn things and go to training and stuff. But she knows the Camarilla is after her. So it, it sort of becomes a struggle of like, is she a good soldier or is she going to go off and get revenge for her family and things like that? And Rael is going through a big change because she gets this mysterious new power from a sentient mushroom. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds really silly, but, <laughs> but by the time you get to the end of the season, it makes a lot of sense. And I don't want to like spoil some of that for you. What what it does is that she basically can't die anymore. <laughs> oh. Which is very kind of cool. But every time people attempt to kill her, which is very often, <laughs> the mushroom kind of like protects her with its spores and stuff. It's it's very it sounds very silly when I say it out loud, but it makes <laughs> it makes sense when you watch it. <laughs> but honestly, her journey began with she didn't she didn't want to be in the army. Her mom was dead. Her mom had died in the army in service and she was just like I'm just going to get through basic training and then they're going to send me out to the front lines and I'm going to die. So her whole journey has been like finding friends and and finding love and learning to value herself and tempering that anger that she has always had. So the fact that in season 2 she gets this new power and they have a new enemy and the general General Alder, played by Lynn Renee, who's fantastic. She wants to use Rael as a weapon. So she, Rael goes from not wanting to be in the army at all and hating the army and then being like its number one asset. And that's a big journey for her. And just from like a storytelling perspective, Rael is a lesbian and there's this trope of barrier gaze where a lot of queer characters have died on television in the, in the past, you know, 20 years or something. Mm -hmm. And then just to make her like an unkillable lesbian is just like really cool and funny. <laughs> 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 like way to reassure your your viewers that she's actually not going to die. <laughs> yeah, that's 
That's really clever. Yeah. And then Tally's going through a journey all about truth because she started out really into the army, like really wanting to fight the spree and do her part. And then she sort of really got disillusioned over the first season because it's, you know, it's the army and not every choice is easy and the people in power aren't always as idealistic as she is. So in season two, she goes on this journey of truth because first of all, she gets a really cool power, which is that she's a seer so she can, you know, see things. (laughs) And she starts to be able to, to see sound, which is really important because because they fight with their voices witches have extra vocal cords so she can sort of see the spells that are that are targeting them and it's it's pretty cool again makes more sense if you see it (laughs) (laughs) but yeah she has this big storyline with general alder because because she can see things she starts to notice that there's a soldier who has been erased from recent history basically. And so she goes down this path of like, who is the soldier? Why has she been erased? And finds out a lot of not great things about General Alder and about the army. And yeah, all of these storylines sort of converge at the end. And it really blows up the world for season two or for season three. I mean, and it's very exciting. But I'm just gonna quickly do a rundown of like some of the other actors because i think they're all fantastic mm-hmm. lynn renee plays general alder and she she's so interesting because i <laughs> she was like a recurring character in season one and then they made her a series regular in season two and i remember being like oh i don't want to know more about her boo and then <laughs> <laughs> And then, like, from the very first episode of of season two, she turned out to just be, like, this really complex character that I sort of hated in season one. And now in season two, I was like, oh, you've really had to make some tough choices. And I sort of empathize with that or sympathize with that. Yeah. So, yeah, she just really shines in this season, I think. And that's that's also part of why I love the show, because of the gray morality nothing is ever really black or white uh-huh. and because it's war everyone is making hard decisions and you're not always going to agree with them but sometimes you understand where they're coming from so i just really love that perspective where no one's really no one's ever 100 percent right uh-huh. they're just doing the best they can with the knowledge they have and their values so i think that's really interesting to watch cool yeah. Catherine Locke Hagwist plays Petra Bellwether, who's Abigail's mom, and she is just lovely in different ways. Kylie Brown plays Kalita, and Tony Giroux plays Adele, her brother. And they come in in the middle of season one. And I, th- I just think Adele is a really great character because he's a pacifist, which is in direct opposition to the army. And he and Abigail have a very sweet relationship. And the thing I kept saying to my friend when we were watching it was, like, the men in this show are really, like, 
the ones that are shown to be the good men are always like emotionally vulnerable and supportive and just like really good deep down characters. Mm-hmm. So you have Adil and then you have Edwin Rael's dad played by Hrothgar Matthews. And I just, I love Edwin. <laughs> <laughs> he He's only got like a few scenes, but I, I love him so much. And I just think that in a very female dominated show, you can still have really good male characters. And another is Gregorio. He's played by Praneet Akila. He is new for season two. And I just, I really thought he was a good addition. Oh, oh gosh. There is one big guest star that I don't want to spoil, but uh, <laughs> she has a lot to do with Rael's journey and Rael's past, and I'll just leave it at that. Okay. And the last thing, I'm sorry, the last thing I want to mention <laughs> is a storyline with two characters, Scylla Ramshorn, played by Amalia Holm, and Anacostia Quartermain, played by Demetria McKinney are both great in very different ways and they their characters come together in very unexpected ways this season but Scylla is Rael's ex-girlfriend and we find out in the middle of season one so this isn't really a spoiler that she is part of the spree and she's been sent to infiltrate the army to extract Rael and Rael finds out about this at the end of season one and they part on a very sour note. And what I loved about season two was that Scylla really goes through a a redemption arc. She comes to understand that the things that she did in the past were not always great. (laughs) (laughs) And she has some really good scenes with that guest star who I won't spoil. (laughs) And It's just really cool to see her on her own go through this journey of like, okay, where do I stand in the world? What do I want out of it? How how am I going to help? And who who am I going to help? And she crosses paths with Anacostia, who is still in the army, but they start working together to infiltrate the Camarilla, which I just think is so fun and so cool. And it's a really like good microcosm of these two groups working together which is what sort of needs to happen in the end and if they're gonna ever defeat the Camarilla and Demetria McKinney is fantastic she's a wonderful actress and her character has a lot of screen time with General Alder they have a very like loving but tense relationship because the general is pretty much like a mother to her because her parents died when she was young But she starts to question some of the general's decisions, and there are just some really beautiful scenes in there about their relationship, and I think this season really was really, really good at showing characters standing up for what they believe in and questioning other people if they thought they were going wrong, and it's just like a really deep world it's just so intriguing and I think there are some very cool magic things. There are shocking moments. I think I mentioned this last time, but the thing that really gets me is like, there's this sort of this fantastical world and high stakes plot, but it's all grounded in the characters. 
And I just think that's my favorite kind of show. So yeah, I had one more thing to say, but I can't remember what it was. But I've talked <laughs> forever about this. So <laughs> do you have any questions? No, it sounds really good. And I it's been on my list. And I yeah. do want to get I think I would really enjoy it. And I think I might need something like this after, I don't know, some of the I've been watching a lot of more downbeat stuff. So I think even though this is sounds stressful, it doesn't yeah. sound as stressful as some other things I've been watching. So Okay, good. Yeah, I think it's meant to be hopeful as well. Mm -hmm. Which is sort of my favorite combination. Stressful, but hopeful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing I wanted to say was, it did get renewed for season three. Cool. Unfortunately, it has already been decided that that's the final season. Oh. Which is very sad. I know. But I think it's going to be really good because they sort of blew up the world at the end of season two. And there, I think there are good things coming. So yeah, highly recommend it. If you do start it, it's it's not silly, but it's very light for the first like four episodes. And then it, it goes, it digs into the emotion and the high stakes and everything. So yeah, if you start it, I really hope you enjoy it. Cool. Thank you. You're welcome. But you have been watching the third season of The Circle, which is one of your favorite shows. Yes. Which is so silly. I feel like I feel like I should be above this show for no. some reason. But I know no. that's not our mission statement. So <laughs> Yeah, and I think there's some things that that the circle has in common with Alter Ego and we can talk about that. But yeah, so this dropped. I didn't even know that it was coming. And then it just suddenly appeared and I was like, What? So and I've covered this in previous seasons, but the Circle is a reality competition show that's on Netflix. It's based on a British show, which actually goes on like twice as long as, as the American version, which is, oh, wow. seems crazy. But basically, they put people in this apartment building, which is technically secretly in London, but they don't like to say that. But anyway, <laughs> they put them in this apartment building. They each have a little one-bedroom apartment, and they stay there for several weeks, and they can communicate with all the other players, but only through this fake social media networking platform. And it's all text-based, so they don't even hear each other's voices or see videos of each other. It's all just as if you were just texting at people. Mm. And the idea is to vote people off and eventually have a winner who wins $100,000. And it's all based on like strategic popularity votes, which sounds gross, but it's... <laughs> You have to build genuine connections with people mm -hmm. in order to even form alliances and create like quote unquote popularity. And so you're you're rewarded for being genuine and vulnerable and kind to each other, Aww. which gets, yeah. And I mean, you're rewarded for being kind of a jerk too, if you are okay. just coming in being duplicitous and sneaky and crazy. But the thing is that even the people who come in and try to do shady stuff, end up being more genuine than they think they were going to be, which is the other part of the heartwarming thing. Mm -hmm. And what always happens is that once the people are voted down to the last elimination and they, they're allowed to finally meet each other in person, even people who were not previously aligned with each other are just so delighted to see another human being in person because it's been kind of isolated. <laughs> and they're also like, you just played a good game. And they suddenly are like, oh my gosh, we're at, we have this bond forever now. And that is also heartwarming. <laughs> and even if someone is revealed to have been lying about their identity, 
they consistently are like, but you know, we had that great talk that one time. And that was like all me. And that really happened to me. And like, so what happens is that some people come in to the circle as catfish, meaning that they are playing a character. Mm -hmm. And they kind of consistently have to stay in that character. And the people's reasons for doing so are varied. This season, there was a young woman who is gay who came in playing as her straight sister, who she says is more traditionally attractive than she is. But frankly, only barely. Like, it's really, she's very cute. So she ends up flirting with this guy. And it's, she consistently has all this angst and guilt about it of like, I don't want to lead him on and I have a girlfriend and this is all very stressful. And so even when someone is lying, you see their angst about it and they're not excited to be misleading someone. But the other players have to recognize, you know, I don't know who's on the other side of this computer. Like this could be anybody. And so you have to be sort of flexible with your expectations. Last season, and I, I will spoil one element of season two, Last season, there was the the winner was a woman pretending to be her own husband, and she was flirting <laughs> with this girl. And they like, oh, this poor girl got really sucked oh, in. No. But then they ended up like, once they saw each other in 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 the reveal, it was like, oh well, you know, I <laughs> and, and there was a lot of guilt on the part of the the woman pretending to be the guy. And yeah, but I don't think the girl who was quote unquote deceived didn't realize that 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 could happen. Okay. So even though there was moments where you're like, oh, Chloe, that's not, this is not going to end well. (laughs) She still was pretty philosophical about it in the end. And I think she ended up even dating one of the other contestants who was a guy. So it's not, (laughs) nobody had a bad ending of this. But but that woman won as a catfish. So it can be really beneficial to not be yourself. But it's also like some people just change little details to make themselves seem less intimidating there's a guy on this season nick who is a tech dude and went to mit and stuff and he's pretending to be a drummer in a punk band (laughs) and he is a drummer but he just does as a hobby he didn't want people to think he was too smart yeah and that he would have this big strategy when in fact he's got this tremendous complicated strategy so (laughs) you know it's just really it's really interesting and it can go any direction And I just think they end up having a lot of fun with it. It is stressful. But one of the other things I like about it is that they'll play these really stupid mini games throughout that can be very revelatory, but also are just funny. Like this season, they had to make, they had to decorate a cake in 20 minutes. And it was just, it was just a mess. And they had to decorate it in honor of another player. Which then also gives people like, oh, well, so-and-so's friends with so-and-so. And and so that means that this and this. Right. So that can be very giving you a lot of hints. And at one point, one player was given, they're often given weird little temporary powers. So this season, there was a player who got cloned. So another player was pretending to be them. So there was two of them and they had to prove their identity, which was kind of stressful. And then... There was also a little twist where someone was given a temporary extra profile. So during the cake decoration, this person had to make two cakes in 20 minutes. They were not given any extra time. Oh, boy. And so they had to make it seem like... And then, of course, they had their burner profile make the cake in honor of their real self so they would get extra points for having more cakes made for them. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just, and it's just silly. They get very stressed out. There's a kid on this season who's like 20 years old. His name's Daniel. He's like really tall and skinny. 
And he just is constantly under stress and flailing and <laughs> screaming and is very dramatic. And I love him. And I don't know, they just they start to grow on you. And it helps that yeah. Netflix drops four episodes at a time over the course of like three weeks. Okay. So you end up just like binging these in one week and then getting really quickly invested in these poor people's lives. And <laughs> it's just it's just very I wouldn't say wholesome because they get a little cutthroat at times, but it's very good natured. It's all a game, you know, but I think they do form some genuine friendships throughout having this very strange experience. Yeah. And I will say too that the burner profile this season that was a brand new twist. And the burner themselves is really hilarious and was chosen by producers. So this person who had to play this had no say in it and had to just go oh. with it. And it was really outlandish and crazy what they were given as a bio and a picture. So watching this person <laughs> flail of like, nobody is going to buy this. This is so over the top. It was so fun. And I loved every second of it. Awesome. There was a mini challenge last season that I have to recap that was so cute. It was that there was one person who was catfishing as a woman who was a man and was a straight man and was like, you know, I'm just a dude, whatever. He was playing this like really pretty girl. And they had a challenge where they had to do makeup on this styrofoam mannequin head. And he was like, oh, no, this is going to go very badly. And it did. And he got eliminated. Because everyone's oh. like, that is a catfish. That is not a real girl. And it's like, right. dude, you gotta, you gotta like do some homework ahead of time. You can't just think you're gonna improv your way through this catfish if you don't know yeah. anything about girl stuff. And the the woman who won playing her own husband, she brought like this notebook of like sports trivia and like she even like had asked her husband all this stuff like, what kind of hair clippers do you use just in case somebody asks me some random dude thing. She yeah. was like prepared. So wow. the moral of the story, and I think the girl playing her own sister, I think she had the advantage of like, well, I grew up with this person. This is a real person right. in my life. And I'm, yeah. you know, still playing a, another girl. It's just a slightly different person. It behooves you to be careful about your adjustments to your own identity. Yeah. Wow. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. It's so silly. But the other thing is that no one... <laughs> Everyone's very like, well, who's the catfish? Who's the catfish? But like, there's no consequences for being mm -hmm. a catfish. And there's no benefit to figuring out who is a catfish. Right. So a lot of players shoot themselves in the foot by focusing too much on that. It's like, ultimately, that doesn't actually matter. Yeah. You need to take the profiles at face value, decide if you want to make a connection with this person, knowing that no matter what, it is a real human being in an adjacent apartment to you. Like, just, you know, I think you've got to just go along with it and then be humorously surprised in the end, you know? Yeah. There's been a lot of chatter online of like, you really need to change that gameplay mechanic because it doesn't, it doesn't, I mean, it makes it funny to have catfish in there, but it also doesn't change gameplay. So hmm. there also was a rumor online that one of the elimination, because people will get up to the the point of being allowed to make the eliminations. There's like two people who are influencers okay. and they go and have a chat alone together and they have to come to a consensus on who they cut. Apparently, and this is just a rumor, one of the eliminations in season three took six hours. Wow. And there was a lot of like, that is not cool because you can't imagine production being happy to 
keep working that long. Yeah. And the other players must have just been either bored out of their minds because they can't do anything while they're waiting for the elimination Uh, or just freaking out. And it had to have been stressful for those two people not coming to an agreement. Yes. So they've got to, I think they've got to make like a rule like, okay, after an hour, we've got to do some kind of randomization because you're not agreeing. Like you each get to vote for one person and then we'll just flip a coin because you're not agreeing so it's just not practical but yeah yeah so it's really fun (laughs) yeah no i believe you i i love how excited you get about it and (laughs) i saw that it dropped and Mm -hmm. i almost considered being like hey do season of the circle but i figured you already do (laughs) (laughs) i will say our 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 pal Jail Gribble is another big circle fan, so okay. I was messaging her about it a little bit. Nice. I will also say that season three is probably the best season so far because of some of the weird twists, so it would be a good place to start. Okay, cool. But what's funny is when we talked about this the first time, it was pre-COVID, and I kept harping on, they're so isolated. Oh my gosh, that would be so stressful. It's like, right. ugh, I had no clue. I had no clue that we're all we're all ready to go in the circle at this point. Yes, at this point, yeah. <laughs> it would not be a challenge. No, it'd be like, oh, well, whatever. Yeah, give me some books and I'm fine. Yeah, they are allowed to read books. They're allowed to play games. They get toys. So you often see them playing with like weird, Ooh. like doing puzzles and stuff. But they're not allowed to like really... Like, they have to be ready to chat at any moment. So they're yeah. not really allowed to get engrossed in something else. So Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that sounds a lot, like a lot of fun. Yeah. Now that we've talked about it so much, I have considered watching it before. I just haven't bitten the bullet. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, I think I'll go ahead and start with season three. Cool. Enjoy. Awesome. Well, we have both been watching a new singing competition show called alter ego on fox do you want to explain how we got into it (laughs) i don't remember how we decided to watch this it we both decided to watch it so it's like on after the masked singer which we are obsessed with Mm -hmm. and i think (laughs) didn't we just see promos for it and thought this looks crazy yes yeah so unlike the masked singer the singers are not famous they're just normal people or people who are aspiring singers or or kind of not not yet famous singers who are trying to get their career going or rebooted or something, but their their identities are hidden. <laughs> you want to explain how they're hidden? <laughs> yes, I would love to explain how they're hidden. They're hidden by real-time motion capture computer-generated avatars. <laughs> so, and that's part of why we thought this show looked so strange. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So the contestants themselves are backstage in a motion capture suit doing their performance, but they have created this avatar with the help of production and the judges see their avatar somehow. I don't, I can't figure out how the tech works, (laughs) (laughs) but they're seeing like a computer generated real time avatar and they don't look like regular human people i mean they they look humanoid Mm -hmm. but they have different colored skin they have kind of wild hair you can do anything you want and some of the very cool things that are done are one contestant 
has like flames coming up his pants and in his bow tie. Another contestant has tattoos that like rotate on his arms. And every time, so we'll get into the judges in a little bit, but Will I Am from Black Eyed Peas is is one of them. And Uh every time a new animation thing happens, he just goes, What? And he gets really excited. It's cute. He gets very excited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they look sort of, I would say, and I, I think I texted this to you, they look like a combination of the people in the movie Avatar, for one thing. But they also look like Sims, like from the <laughs> Sims game, except crazy with like, again, like pink skin or, or flame hair. There's a guy in episode two who has like, his head is like open and there's like a slot and there's like a little blue <laughs> flame coming out of it oh. that looks like hair, but it also looks like a like a blue fire. And it's pretty cool. <laughs> but yeah, they're beautifully done. Mm-hmm. I do feel like sometimes as they're actually singing, the mouth movements aren't perfect. So it looks like a very like like a cartoon that isn't fully rendered yet in some <laughs> cases. So it's a little if if Uncanny Valley stuff bothers you, I don't know that this is the show for you. <laughs> yeah. But there are four judges who are professional musicians or artists. So you have Alanis Forsett, which is why I wanted to watch it. I was like, oh, that's Alanis Forsett. <laughs> you have Nick Lachey from 98 Degrees and Grimes and Will I Am. So they get to they get to keep one person. There are five contestants in an episode, and they get to keep one person themselves. They get to say, this person is the best. We want them on, they call it the diamond, and their little avatar gets to stand on the diamond <laughs> for the rest of the, sh- <laughs> of the night. And then the audience gets to choose two people to stay, and then the, the judges have to choose. Of the two remaining, they have to choose one to go home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very stressful. Yeah. I think the diamond mechanic is really interesting because each new, like the first person who performs is automatically on the diamond. Mm-hmm. And the diamond's like floating in the air. It looks really weird. <laughs> and then each new person, they have to sort of decide, do we like this person better than the person who's currently safe? Yeah. And then they have to just kind of continually pit people against each other. And that, I don't know, it's it's stressful. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. And then when they get to the bottom two, it's like somebody is still going to be safe as like a, I don't know. It's uh, it's it's a lot of like finite decision making. And I think they're trying yeah. to think, is this person someone who could break out into the world of contemporary music? Would this be someone yeah. that audiences would get into both the character and the technical proficiency of the singer and their style? We were talking to each other off off the show about how the judges are all from different genres of music. Like Elena's Morissette is more known for kind of rock music. Nick Lachey is pop music. Grimes is like electronic and alternative. And then Will I Am is dance and R&B. And that those were good choices because they each kind of bring a different perspective to it. Mm-hmm. And I actually really like the host, Roxy Diaz. Also, I think she's really good. Yeah, me too. Yeah. She's like a former DJ and Entertainment Tonight contributor. The other thing that's cool is that the contestants themselves are from like different genres. So in the first episode, we have like R&B and rock and kind of like new 
Easy Listening or like Big Band or whatever. A guy mm-hmm. does a Michael Bublé song. And then we have kind of pop and then alternative. And um, kind of the same thing is true in episode two. So it's it's a nice diversity. It's also not a lot of performances. So I feel like sometimes I get overwhelmed on The Masked Singer if there's way too many people performing in one particular episode. So yeah, I like that it's just five per episode. You kind of get to really dig in and hear the person's background. The audience can know about who the person is behind the avatar, but the judges do not. So mm-hmm. hearing their personal stories and what they've been through and why they chose to do this show in particular and this this way of performing was really heartwarming and I found myself getting choked up a few times. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really an interesting concept because it takes so much confidence and poise to be out on stage and there are people who want to I don't want to say hide behind an alter ego, but it 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 lets them be more confident for whatever reason. And it lets it lets the judges focus on the voice more than their looks, basically. Uh-huh. Although the flip side of that is that I don't think they really explain this because I just thought they were looking for the best singer. But I think they are looking for, like you said, someone who has wide appeal and like could sort of be a digital pop star. Uh-huh. <laughs> so even though they're not paying attention to the actual singer's looks or anything they are paying attention to the looks of the avatar and and seeing if it has wide appeal so you have to be not smart in your design but you you have to yeah appeal to a lot of people in how you even design your avatar which is something i didn't really think of yeah yeah and i mean the designs of all of these are pretty fun and interesting but i think some of them are almost more novelty-esque and those are not hitting as well with the judges because they don't think it has like legs like yeah this was this is fun but it may not be enduring and mm-hmm. i i've complained recently about the swedish pop group abba from the 70s and 80s is reuniting and doing shows with these things that they're calling their avatars <laughs> and the real performers are now in their 70s but they're all still alive and they all look great but they're doing these things where they're they're inhabiting and doing motion capture of versions of themselves that look like they were from about 1980. And I find it really upsetting because, I mean, on Alter Ego, they're not trying to look realistically human. They're, they're right. humanoid, but they look like aliens, basically. Yeah. The ABBA people are trying to look like themselves and real humans. And so I'm noticing like, oh, her eyes look really dead inside. <laughs> like these are upsetting. And I don't... I don't understand the choice made. I mean, in the time of COVID and also being a little bit older, they're probably like, I don't want to tour. Let let these dumb little virtual dolls go instead. But why did they make them look (laughs) like they did 40 years ago? Like, it's just kind of ageist and weird and creepy. And I just don't like love it. So I'd rather see them as they are now and just be like, we all age. It's fine. You know? Yeah. So. Sure. I don't know. Maybe... (laughs) Maybe you can convince them to make alter ego like avatars. <laughs> I think that would almost be more fun. Yeah. And it would make more sense. But I just think it's like, I don't know. And some people are like, well, they're trying to recapture the magic of their heyday and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, I get that. But like, <laughs> if I go see a an old band that I like or an old musical artist, I understand that they're not 
22 anymore and i'm like i want to see them as they are now i don't know that's yeah. just that's just me no I, but i get yeah, it yeah yeah but yeah this show is it's sort of an unexpected find for us we didn't think i didn't think that i would like it i was just me like either. this looks too weird yeah and then as you get into it you're like oh this tech is pretty cool and then you learn more about the singer's backstories and it turns out to be very endearing and heartwarming and there are definitely some performers that I'm rooting for over others. I haven't finished episode two yet. But yeah, it's it's an unexpected find, but we recommend it so far. Yeah. Who who is your favorite performer of the first episode? My favorite was Seven. Yes. They are not maybe the strongest singer, mm-hmm. but I think... I think they have a really unique voice and yeah, their story is very interesting and and heartwarming and I just want them to be happy. (laughs) Yeah, same. I was also very impressed with Seven. Not to spoil you, you're not done with episode two yet, but I will just preface it to say that my favorite of episode two is someone named Wolfgang Champagne. So look for that. (laughs) I I will do that. (laughs) Okay. Cool. But they've all been, actually, every single performer in both episodes, I was like, oh, this is now my favorite. Oh, no, this is now my favorite. So yeah, they're all actually great singers, and they all have different cool things about their avatar, and they all have cool, they're all choosing good songs based on their voice, and I've been really pleased with everyone. So yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, next week, we're going to have our special Halloween episode. (laughs) (laughs) Where we discuss the Netflix limited series Midnight Mass, the HBO Max series Wellington Paranormal, and we're also going to talk about horror on TV in general. Our theme music is by Joseph McDade. You can find me on Twitter at Carrie Gessner. And you can find me on Twitter at KWTaylorWriter. And you can find us together on Twitter at Podcast. If you'd like to email us, you can do that at PositivelyPopCulture at gmail.com. You can also find our website at PositivelyPopCulture.com. And please rate us and review us on iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy and safe. And join us next time for another episode of Pause Pop. Pause Pop.